Turn in your Bible to the book of Ruth, chapter 2. This is the sixth in our installment on this series of redemption. And the book of Ruth, we were supposed to share this message last week. Um, but your pastor uh, did something that he doesn't often do because it's a very scary thing to do. He just closed his notebook and winged it. I just felt the Lord telling me to share the gospel. And so I just talked about the sacrifice of Christ and the road to salvation. And there were five or six people that came to know the Lord Jesus last Sunday in this house. Can someone say amen? And right before the preached word, I know we've covered a lot of stuff. There were four families in our church this week that had very uh, personal loss. Some it was direct family members. Others were indirect. Some went to the church and some didn't. And I want you to know uh, publicly that this church has been praying for you all week long. Would you all clap and let them know that you've prayed for them and interceded for them? And because I've been on that part, would you allow me just to pastor for just 10 seconds here real quick? There's several of them here today for the first time since the passing. Give them a Sunday pass. I know we want to communicate, you know, oh, I love you. I care for you. But it's hard the first Sunday back. They know we love them. Let them come. And if they find you, wonderful. But just let them come in with their family and leave because it takes a lot of strength to come. And, you know, it's just easier that way. So, and one other quick thing, Sandy, I just wanted to tell you that uh, you honored the Lord publicly and across the whole state of Georgia and the Southeast this week. And it was just, you know, oftentimes people will say, that's my pastor. That's my pastor. I was watching television. I go, that's one of my sheep right there. That's one of mine. That's one that goes to our church. So. Ruth chapter 2. Y'all stand with me for the reading of God's word. I'm so pregnant with this word today, I'm ready. I'm ready to deliver. Ruth 2, verse 1. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I will find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap, King James, her hap was to light upon a part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. Her hap, she just happened upon this field. It just so happened that of all the fields to hap upon, she happed upon this field. Of all the places, she just found herself in the field of God's will. And that's what I want to talk to you about this, this morning. Finding the field of God's perfect will for your life. Not the permissive will, but the perfect will. In his perfect will, you have access to all that God is. In his permissive will, you can get hit by a submarine on Riverside Drive. That was a joke. Let's pray together. God... I just honor you this morning and I present myself before you and I state publicly, I do not have the capacity to help anyone. I don't trust in my wisdom or my words or any ideas, but it's by your spirit, O oh Lord, that we're quickened and by your word, we're given light and, and, and uh, illumination. So be honored this morning by the preaching of your word in Jesus name. Amen. You may be seated. 
The story of Ruth we've covered very thoroughly, but in a quick 60-second synopsis, here is a woman who is an idolater, not knowing who Jehovah God was. A family from Jerusalem moved into Moab, which was forbidden. Uh, Ruth married one of the sons of that man. Uh, Naomi lost her husband, Elimelech, and Ruth's husband was died and Orpah's husband died and they found themselves going back to Jerusalem with Naomi. Orpah said, I can't go. It's too costly. And she turned back and Ruth found herself in a nation that she'd never seen among a people she did not know. She didn't know how to fit in. All she knew about Jerusalem is what Naomi had told her. And that's where this subject comes to bear for us. How do you know the will of God for you? Especially those of us that were pagan in our previous life. Anybody else besides me? How do you know? How do you discern? You know, you got these mystical Christians that, you know, they're walking along and they go, Yes, Lord. Yeah, oh, oh. And you go, That's never happened to me. How, you know, the, the, you don't just have a vision. You wake up and there's a, a billboard and it said Kroger yesterday, but today it says, Go to Geico. Nobody else, sorry, Haley. N- nobody else saw it. But you, and, and, and we mysticize, and by watching television, and sometimes Christian television, we take simple things from the Word of God, and we make it so difficult. Preachers can do that. Preachers have the innate ability of taking profoundly simple things and making them profoundly difficult. How am I to discern the will of God? We worry that we will not find it. We're pretty sure that we will not want it, and we may be fearful that we've already missed it. How do I know the difference between something I want and something God has planned? How can I make sure that I'm living in God's perfect will? Notice in this verse that her hap was to light upon a part of the field that belonged to Boaz. It's a masculine noun referring to a chance event, a happening. And if you weren't a believer, you'd say of just fate. This word hap refers to something that occurs without human planning and without human intervention. It does not say that it did not happen without divine planning and divine intervention. For the Christian, God's will is more about realizing you are there than deciding on which way to go. God's reveal is more of an unveiling than it is a voice from heaven that says step one, step two, step three, And step four, now you've arrived. We like that. Because step one, step two, step three, and step four comes with such clarity, then we can decide if we want to take the trip or not. But God leads daily. God leads by the moment. And the GPS that you have is peace. You can be looking at a difficult path and have peace. You can be looking at an impossible situation and have peace. And here was Ruth. Naomi was a widow. They had nothing. They had no opportunity to get anything. A widow was not employable. Women were not employable except for uh, like homeless beggars that would go behind a field. And Ruth with this great limitation says, well, I'm just going to get up and I'm going to Just go and see whose field I find grace in. Stay with me. I'm getting somewhere. What does the Bible teach us about his will and our responsibility to find it? Number one, it's not our responsibility to want it, but to accept it. 
Have you ever told your children, do this? Why? Because I brought you into this world and I can take you out of this world. No. Why? Well, because I said so. I don't want to. Get up, baby. It's 7 o'clock. I don't want to get up. I'm tired. The world is run by tired people. Get up. You can put that on your refrigerator. The world is run by tired people. How many would love a nap today? Okay. You grown? Take you one. You don't like your, you don't like your life? Change it. Get some sleep. I keep leave, losing my text. I'm sorry. But we make God's will something that we go, oh, I would love that. But oftentimes he leads us into things that we would not necessarily want. And I don't have to want God's will to accept it. Number two, it's not my responsibility to find it, but God's will to reveal it. If you were to ask me top three, give me one of the top three things, John, you've ever learned about God, it's this. If I want to know God's will for my life, it is impossible for me to miss it. Write it down. Impossible for me to miss it because he wants me to find it more than I want to know it. It's not about finding it. It's about accepting it and believing that the Lord will reveal it. It's not our responsibility to recognize it, but just surrender to it as we do. And finally, it's not our responsibility to make it happen, but simply believe that God will make it happen. So here you are in your house. You're a college student in your apartment. You're praying for the Lord. Who am I supposed to be with? Where am I supposed to go to school? All these things, Lord, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. But I'll let you make the choices for me. And I'm just asking that you'd reveal it to me because my answer is yes before you ever show me. That person cannot miss the will of God. Do you see which freedom there is in that? You don't have to work it. You don't have to manipulate. You don't have to maneuver. You don't have to have all the answers. You just say, I believe, O oh Lord, that you're going to lead me to a field, to a person that I'll find grace in their eyes. And so here Ruth was in all the land of Judah. She said, just lead me to the field of your will. If you're taking notes, number one, Ruth would find the field of God's will because it existed and it was already prepared for her and God was drawing her towards it. Her new life originated with God and she was predestined with specific purposes and intentions. Listen to this verse. I want all of you to just let this soak into you this morning. Philippians 2.13 for it is God himself whose power creates within you the desire to do his will and also brings about the accomplishment of that desire. God himself's power, his power, creates within you a desire to do his will. And it also brings about the accomplishment of the desire. Boaz's field, Ruth's field, existed before she knew about it. Before she gleaned in it, before she surrendered to it, before she recognized it, it was there waiting on her, prepared. Pre, when you pair something, you're pairing it pre, before, getting it ready. You prepare an uh, apple, you skin it, or a banana, you skin it. You're preparing it. This field was prepared and waiting for her. So Boaz had to grow up as a little boy. He had to be trained in business. He had to be successful in business. 
He had to have God's blessing. He had to be established so that he would be financially able to redeem a Ruth that he had not met from another nation. It was already put together. All she had to do when she left the house is said, show me where your grace is today. Show me what you have for me. And oh, the weight that comes off of a 20-year-old in their 20s or 30s, in the 30 years, their life. Oh, the weight that falls off of them when they said, I don't have to find it. It'll find me. Because God is the orchestrator. He gave me the desire and he's given me the power to fulfill the desire. It will happen in my life. Number two, Ruth would find the feel of God's will because she was willing to cut cords with everything that wasn't. Oh, let me preach on this just a minute. Take that one shoe off. I'm coming for that big toe right in the corner. Many times we suffer through years and decades out of God's will because of something we refuse to let go of. I hear Christians say this phrase. I know what God's word says about this, but, and when they do that, just put up your lightning rod and step off. And you go, God, I didn't say that. That one said that. I know what the Lord's will says about it, but you don't understand my situation. We can't afford to live separate. I know what the, Lord of God, the Word of God says, but I already consider her my wife. I know what the, Lord, the Word of God says, but be careful of those people. Because even if they tell you they are living in the will of God and they have an angel that walks right beside them, that's a demonic angel dressed as a good angel because you cannot be in the will of God while you're out of the will of God. You cannot be. I had a dream and an angel come to me last night and told me God was proud of me. That's an angel dream lie. You can't be. It's like your kids. They can't mind you and disobey you at the same time. This really isn't rocket science. You can't kind of shoot a shotgun. You can't kind of be pregnant. I think I'm kind of pregnant. No, you either are or you're not. And you can't kind of be in the will of God. Look at what Ruth did. She left Moab, the place that was out of his will. She left her friends, the people that would pull her away from God's will. She left the idolatry. The practices that would keep her out of God's will. And she left the familiar, the predictable path that would easily be substituted in the place of God's will. To find God's will, we know Ruth would find that field, not just because of which way she was pointed, but by what she cut off. And you don't need a pastor to follow you around and say, these people aren't good for you. Well, he's the only one that loves me. Darling, you ain't met Fred or Joe or Skippy or Bobo or Clarence. Oh, he brought me coffee. You got a guy the Lord wants you to meet going to take you to Paris, and you're falling over this guy that bought you a cup of coffee. Y'all scared to respond today? This is truth. It's the thing in hand. The thing in hand. You're forfeiting what God has in his hand because the thing you clutch in your hand. It takes faith to say, I know this was okay and this might have been what I wanted, but if you don't want me to have it, I don't want it. And you go into your prayer closet and go, my hands are empty, Lord. Who you want to put in my life? Where you want to take me? What do you want to do? For? I did have some plans. You know, you know what the highest level of trust is? The highest level of trust is when you let somebody else pick for you. Don't you go on your first date and say, oh, he can pick for us. You might not like what catfish picks. But if you trust them, 
I remember on Kelly and I's first date, one of the first dates, it wasn't the first one, it was one of them, and we both ordered a hamburger or something at Outback or something, and we had cheese fries before, and then she said, can, can we get cheese fries with the burger as well? And I'm looking at her and go, Thought alike. I can call her. I'm going to be a few minutes late. I'm leaving the church. Order for me. Why? Because she knows what I want. Now listen. God doesn't order what you want. He always orders what's best for you. Now if Kelly ordered me those blanched green beans and a salad with no dressing and no croutons, and you know that wouldn't be what's best for me. Us guys, we need some oil in there and some saturated fats in there. It, it like lubes everything up, you know. In the natural realm, we judge what's best by our likes. But God who knows the beginning from the end will tell you, break away from these people right here. Why? I'm not going to tell you why. Trust me, let me pick for you. And sometimes we give up something and we gain something we never would have dreamed. I remember as a young boy in my 20s, de-brothering in a fraternity. All I knew was fraternity at Mercer University, you know, 72 brothers. We wore the same little thing in the corner of our pocket. Oh, brothers, brothers. And when I got saved, I knew that I, I couldn't hang out there no more. And I remember one of them said, oh, you done got Jesus now. You're all holy. I said, I ain't judging you. I'm judging me. I'm not strong enough to hang around all of this. So I de-brothered, turned my shirts in, and I walked away, and there was no angels going, what a great guy you are. <laughs> Praise the Lord. It was lonely. I remember praying it. I don't mind. Today's Confession Sunday. I'm just going to tell you. I remember praying. I said, God, I done lost all my buddies. We clicked because we clicked in our flesh. I didn't have no conflict before I got saved. I wanted to party. No conflict. You see? But when I pulled away... And I lost all my relationships. And I told the Lord, I said, and Lord, the church I'm going to, all the guys there are kind of weird. And that's what I told him. I think I used the word goobs. I don't know if people use that word no more. I said, they're all kind of goobs. I don't, you know. Little did I know that by letting go of my familiarity, I would walk into a church world that would vacuum me into God's call Youth ministry, evangelistic work, and now 20 years of pastor. I never dreamed. More friends today that care about me. And by the way, this is free, not even part of the sermon. Anyone that will support you in harming yourself is not your friend. They're not your friend. Ruth was going to find it because she looked at Moab. She looked at family. She looked at familiarity, and she looked at her plans, and she said, Nah, pick for me. One of the greatest things you can do in your life is tell the Lord, pick for me. Who you want me to marry, pick for me. Where do you want me to go, pick for me. What do you have for me, pick for me. Because as for the Lord, his way is perfect, the Bible says. I can prove it to you in a silly example. How many of you are old enough like me that you went to a 10-year reunion? Okay, well, I mean, it's going to get better. 20-year reunion. How many of you went to a 30-year reunion and you saw that one that you just knew was for you? Oh, they were the one. Nobody else, nobody else. You walk in the 30-year reunion, you see it, and you go, 
Thank you, Lord. I'm about to break out in a praise right now. Woo! Lord, I didn't even realize you were steering me away from that narrow life I had. I was living in a drawer, a drawer, and you kicked the bottom out of it and opened my life up. The thing in hand was ridiculous, and now I've entered into the blessings and the goodness of the Lord. Makes me want to say, thank you, Lord, for your wonderful gifts to me. They're wonderful. You've restored my soul. Surely goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life and I'm going to dwell in his house forever. You can't go where God wants you to go and live where you've lived. You can't stay where you are and go to the next place. Ruth said goodbye to Moab and she walked right into God's divine intention. How did she find it? She just happened to find it. Number three, I got to hurry, got to hurry. Number three, Ruth was going to find the field of God's will even though she was walking toward it with little to no information. She didn't know what the place was. She didn't know where she was going or what it would look like. See, some of us, that's our problem. We want God to tell us everything before we do anything. Because then we can decide if we like what he told us or not. Ruth didn't know how she was going to get there. Not a field the field. She didn't know any of the characters that would be in place when she got there. She didn't know. This is my favorite. She didn't know that she didn't know. Some of y'all going to go home and go, don't talk to me, baby. I got to think about this. <laughs> she didn't know that she didn't know. She didn't know. She did not even know how she was going to come to know what she didn't know. I just added that one for extra. She didn't know. Let me give you an example. When God called Abram out of the land of the Ur of Chaldees, he said, come with me. The, the beginning person of the family of faith, the beginning of the nation of Israel, the beginning of the church was Abram. He said, come with me to a land and I'll show you later where it is. When he packed up his tent, which way did he go? Do I go north? When Ruth got up that morning, do I walk this way? Do I walk this way? Do I go back? Which way do I go? It don't matter. Do you see the release in that? You've already prayed. It don't matter. When you pray surrendered prayers, you have heaven's GPS inside of you. And if you mix the exit, it'll say recalculating. And some of us do way too much recalculating. But God is so gracious, he always recalculates to make sure that when you're as dumb as your pastor, you always find the field because he wants us to know it. No matter which way you start, just pray the surrendered prayer. She's going to find the field even without information. I love that. She didn't have any, any, not all, but any information. She just got up and said, I'm going to go find a field of grace. And she went, you ever been in the store? And I, I'm grateful for salespeople. They're always around when you don't want them. And they're never around. Anyway, okay. And customer service is just about gone these days. Yeah, this whole, I'm just, all these little sermon ideas, I need to corral these in. But do you ever have them follow? You say, can I help you? I say, no, I'm good right now. Well, what are you looking for? Well, uh, I'm not really sure. And then every now and then you'll get one that's kind of smart, like us. And they go, well, how will you know? 
what you found if you don't know what you're looking for. And we spin on our heels and say, I'll know it when I see it. So how do you know the will of the Lord? You live, you work, you pray, you interact, and then you go, there it is. Because His Spirit bears witness with your spirit. It's a ding, you have now arrived at your destination. This isn't that Hallmark romantic movie, I met my husband. But the Lord will tell you, that's the one. The Lord will say, this one ain't the one. But she's pretty. She's pretty today, but she ain't the one. She ain't the one. She loves the Lord. She may love him today, but she's not the one. You see, you'll know. You just walk in faith. Number four, Ruth would find the will of God's will because she was depending upon divine influence in her natural goings. She, was, she knew that God was going to lead her. Let me go into a field and glean among the ears of grain after whom sight I may find favor. In journeying, she depended upon God to keep close the doors that were not of him and make sure that there was divine influence to cause her to find the open door and then have confirmation that this was it. The Bible says in Corinthians 13 that we see through a glass darkly, but we do see. One meaning from that is we may not see everything clearly, but we see good enough to get there. And God will confirm. May I tell you a story? If you've been here a long time, you've heard it 20 times, but we have a lot of new people today. And I want to tell you one of those that changed for me. It changed everything of how I was going to preach, how I was going to pastor. I prayed and asked the Lord early in my life for a desk. I prayed and asked him for an oak desk. I prayed and I heard a preacher say, if you're going to ask God for a bicycle, make it specific. If you want red or blue, you don't want to get a color, you don't want... So anyway, whole different teaching. And I said, Lord, I want an oak desk, but I want it... I don't want junk. It don't have to be elaborate or ornate. Let me tell you how I'm wired. It doesn't have to be fancy. I'm not concerned about the tag. If it works, good. If it don't work, if you've got furniture and you, people come to your house and you go to sit in the chair, oh, don't sit in that. It's a chair. Yeah, don't sit in that. It won't hold you. I start buffering at that moment. Then, why, why do you have a chair? It's not fulfilling its purpose. And I wanted a desk. I didn't want a desk that if I sat on it, one leg would pop out and it would all collapse. I said, God, I want it strong enough for me to dance on it. Because that's, I want something. If your refrigerator doesn't work, get your new refrigerator. If your dog won't come to you, get another dog. Get dogs everywhere. Get you another dog. Right? If it don't work. So I'm on my way, driving on a Saturday to go to a food drive. And I was taking food in my car and... God is my witness. This is the truth. I'm driving up South Stratford Oaks and the Lord whispers to me, he said, turn, turn right here. Not left or right, just turn. So I just turned. See, it don't matter which way you turn. He's going to get you there. And I saw a yard sale sign. I don't do yard sales. I know you can find deals in yard sales. I know that you found a Rolex for $8, but I don't do garage sales because crazy people do garage sales. <laughs> crazy people host them, but crazier people go to them. I've done one or two, and you'd have something for a dime. A dime. And the lady goes, would you take a nickel? <laughs> Baby, you can have it. You can have it. 
Here, take some to your kinfolk. Here, take, take. Or you go to a garage sale and they have a clock, you know, with the fork and the spoon. And three of the prongs of the fork are gone. You know, and there's no spoon. It's broke off, so you can't tell what time it is. You know, and they want $50 for it. I, one lady told me there was a clock. She said, it don't work no more, but it's right twice a day. So, I pull into the garage sale, and he whispered to me, Cal, as clear as you hear my voice, he said, your desk is here. So, I'm a crier. Don't let the funny part fool you. When I sense the Lord, I just, see, I never cried before I got saved. I was angry at God. God took my dad, and I just didn't have anything to do with it. But when he saved me and he put his spirit in me, that's like the little thumbprint. That's the, the limp. He said, you're going to cry all the time. And so I just, you know, I come into church and I'm like, oh my God, just crying. And these men are like, that won't ever happen to me. God touches you in the right place, you'll cry. You'll cry all the time. So I'm in the driveway. I'm already crying. No other information. Your desk is here. So I get out of my car, 26 years old. I'm walking towards this person back of the old cutlass convertible full of food. And the lady goes, hi, good morning. I said, where's my desk? <laughs> Just like that. She said, excuse me. I said, I've been praying for an oak desk and it's got to be strong. It can't be junk. And the Lord told me that my desk is here. Where's my desk? She goes, right this way. God's listening to me. I'm not exaggerating. It wasn't even outside. Outside was the table full of nothing nobody bought. She said, we really didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. There was a sign uh, on one of the tables that said, furniture inside, inquire within. That was my confirmation. So I walked in and there was this oak desk against the wall here. And I later found out this was a little conservative Methodist woman. And this kind of freaked her out a whole lot. So we walked in. She's like, I'm just going to leave you alone with the desk. I'll be just, just, just. She tipped out. So I go to the desk. First thing I do, I cry on it. You know, I'm crying. I open the little drawer and tapped into the wood is this little metal plate. It said, Stonewall Jackson, built like a rock. Listen, listen to your pastor. It's never about the thing. I'm no different than you. I'm no more special than you. I'm no more gifted than you, more, more than you. I'm no more precious to God than you. I just felt that if I asked him for it, I would just happen upon it. I don't have to go making phone calls. You don't have to network. You just believe. And so when I came back outside, I found her. I'm just crying like crazy, but I'm happy crying. It's not crazy crying, just happy crying. I said, how much for the desk? And so even back then, you're looking at, you know, it was tiger oak. It wasn't veneer. It was beautiful. And, you know, back then, we, I thought it was going to be like $350 or $400. And she was like, uh, just give me $70 and you can leave. Okay. So I gave her like $75 or $100. I don't remember the amount. And I gave her the check. And uh, I said, I'll come back with a truck to get it. So when I came back, she comes in there. She goes, would you like this lamp too? You have this lamp, and here's a pencil holder. She recognized that it was the Lord's doing. So now watch how it changes you. The desk is long gone now. It didn't fit the next house. We sold it. Oh, why didn't you keep it? Because it wasn't the precious thing. 
The precious thing is revelation and knowing that my father will lead me beside still waters. He will bring me into his intention. No maneuvering, no manipulation. He said, I don't need your help. I made them get tired of that desk. Before you were born, I knew that that desk would be in this family and I saw to it that it was there. And as you drove by, I just let you in on the idea because I gave you the desire and the power to fulfill the desire. I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but you're just going to happen up on it. And you're going to say, oh, that's what my heart longed for. For about 20 years, I did, as a man, for about 20 years after I became a man, I didn't know I wanted to be a daddy. I didn't know. It is the single greatest thing in my life. And I just happened on it. Tragedy pushed me to the door of a new life. And in that new life was a passion in the person that I didn't have. You follow me? And it all just come together. And if you talk to anybody that's ever found God's will, they'll tell you, baby, I didn't even know what I was doing. It just happened. So you learn more about the faithfulness of God than your ability to bring heaven's answer. I ain't got no ability. I have privilege. It's not how Isabel and Olivia ask me for anything. It's that they ask me. Because they're mine. Mama can tell them, no. I come right behind her with a bowl of ice cream. Daddy, get you some ice cream, baby. Yes, yes. That old evil mama, come here, man. No, I don't do it. I don't do that. Okay. Ben, would you come, please? I got to do these quickly, so listen quickly. Ruth would find the field because the season was already changing. It says in chapter 1, verse 22, that they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. The beginning of barley harvest, or the time of first fruits, means that it was a time of new life. The new season followed the long, lifeless, colorless coldness of winter. In the winter, everything dies. The flowers fade, the grass withers, the trees shed their leaves. But when the season changed to spring, everything came back to life. First the natural and then the spiritual. Ruth came into Jerusalem in springtime. How do you know you're going to find the field of God's will? Because the season's changing. You know it. All of you that prayed for cold, I hope you're happy. You got it. Now we're complaining about cold. Once spring gets here, we're going to be complaining about the pollen. Once the pollen's gone, we're going to be complaining about the heat. But what did she do? Look, look back. What'd she do? She, she walked into a new season. And when God starts to turn the season for you, it'll look like this. Well, I'm hoping just a little bit now where I didn't hope at all. I'm laughing just a little bit now where I didn't laugh at all. I feel stronger now. I feel like I can believe you for a little more. Ruth was going to find the field because it was time. You don't want to find it before time. 
I'll tell you publicly again. Maybe it'll help someone. I would not have been a good daddy in my 20s. Self-centered, self-absorbed, and immature. It wasn't time. So erase the part about what time it is. and what. See, let God unfold it. When that spring air blows on you, go, oh, I'm walking into a new day. And new day means new things. Things that I've not thought of. Do you remember the verse that said, And God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think. Pause. Above what you can think. Which means you haven't thought of it yet. Something I ain't even thought about yet. And some of the greatest blessings that are going to be part of your life, you ain't even asked him for them. You're just going to happen upon them. For 20 years, I have enjoyed the shade and the warmth and the beauty and the fulfillment of a place called Christ Chapel. And you wouldn't know this, but the entire time I was a youth pastor and an evangelist for eight years, I told every pastor friend I preached for, I will never pastor. Not only didn't know I wanted it, didn't know I needed it. What would I have done without you during my dark years? I just happened up on an office park and just happened up on a driveway and happened up upon Jimmy and happened upon starting a church. And it just unfolds. You see, some of your seasons are changing. Some of you, it's getting difficult. There are friends in here today. You just entered a winter. Listen to me. Let me help you. It is winter. And the color is going to vanish. And the leaves are going to fall off the tree. Don't let anyone tell you that it won't. But I swear to you, spring will come again. Yes, it will. I go out there and I bundle up in my jacket and I go, spring is coming. I put beach pictures. Anybody else do that on Facebook? By faith. You just got a picture of you with your, your gut out and a Diet Coke on it. And you're in your chair. Spring! It's seven degrees. It feels like minus 10. Well, why don't you just say minus 10? It's the same thing. But we believe for. And as long as there's time, the Bible said there'll be seasons. And finally, Ruth would find the field of God's will because everyone that trusts in the Lord does. Everyone. Everyone that trust in the Lord, not knows him intellectually, trust in him, does. Here's what Boaz said to you. May the Lord reward you under whose wings you are learning to trust. Under whose wings you are learning to trust. Ruth, may the Lord reward you under whose wings you're learning step by step Confirmation after confirmation, answered prayer after answered prayer. We made it through fire and we made it through flood and we made it through difficult times. Don't raise your hand, but some of us aren't supposed to be here today. We we're supposed to have had a nervous breakdown. We we're supposed to have died. The doctor told us there's no hope for you. And somehow we made it. Why? How? Because of character or will or determination? No. There's a field that God has prepared for me that I haven't entered into. So he kept me. You are kept by the power of God through faith. You don't know it, but some of the people on your row should be dead. 
But God kept them. And I know for me that my wife, my boy, my little girls are going to find the will of God. I believe it by faith because Kelly and I are going to live a life in front of them that said, don't worry about it. God is going to lead you in paths of righteousness. Period. So Ruth got up, walked out of the tent and said, show me. 